I've like come to realize a few things. One is that like my my number one thing, like I think I definitely have the ism, um, but my number one thing is, and which has always been my number one thing, it is an eating disorder and was an eating disorder. And um, Welcome to the show, Kira. Thanks. Coming all the way from Berlin. Yep. Yep. I'm in Berlin right now. It's 6 p.m. Now, so do you, I know you're, you seem to travel a lot. Like, is your dad like European or something? Because you seem to be over there, whether Berlin or you're in Africa. So every time I see you, you're somewhere different. Um, my dad is European. He's German. And, um, yeah, he actually has no affiliation with the United States other than the fact that you. he married. Yeah, other than the fact that he married my mother. Um, so my mom is American and my dad is German. And my mom, after college, went to Africa to work in conservation. And my dad was there working. Uh, my dad works as a safari guide for professional hunting safaris actually so yeah they met there both working and then um yeah i got married raised a family there me and my brother were raised there and then when they separated when i was like 11 or 12 me my mom and younger brother moved to the u.s but my dad continues to work in africa so he's part-time in africa and then the other part of the time, he was living in Austria uh, okay. in, with his girlfriend. That makes lived. a lot of sense to why I recently saw you in a safari, right? That I'm not making that up. You were on a safari yeah, recently. The last, like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I was in Africa for the whole month of December. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Just visiting, brought some friends over there. And yeah. so, and you're also in law school, correct? I'm pre-law, so okay. I, I finished um, I finished my four years of undergraduate at UCLA, um, and then and then um, this is my I I graduated from UCLA in June, and this is my year off before gotcha. law school. I decided to take the year off for the variety. Why not? Of reasons. Yeah. Um, so during this year off, I wanted to live somewhere abroad and, um, I wanted to specifically live somewhere German speaking because I'm half German and I speak German conversationally, but I wanted to get fluent in my German and Berlin is an awesome city too. Like that's be yeah. like, I've been all, not all over Germany. I've been in three different cities in Germany um berlin cologne and um another one that was all cobblestones and i can my mom would kill me for not remember the name but it was like our first stop when we flew into frankfurt then we were in this one little city that was really old and then we were in berlin for a few days and then cologne for we only lasted like one day in cologne before we went up to belgium Um, there's so many different little towns and random cities and towns in germany so. And so, yeah, we were going there to, we had an exchange student live with us 
when I was like in third grade and she was from Berlin or Oshnabrook originally. Oh, cool. She was from Oshnabrook, but living now she lives in Berlin with her husband and kids. So we visited her and got to see and got to like, get toured around Berlin of all the different sites yeah. there are. Like it's a really cool city. So yeah. let's backtrack more to 11. You come to the United States. So what it, we met in, that's not no secret, let us say, we met in AA, and that was four and a half years ago when I was out there. And yeah. you were running the Thursday meetings at 26 and Broad with you and Taylor. Okay. Um, the Nooner. I, I have a weird memory, even though I was only there for four months. 26 and Broadway, you're right. You're right. I think I was the, I was the secretary, right? Yep. Yeah. And that's where we met originally, because you and I started talking again because... Taylor was on the show back earlier this year. Um, yeah. I had Taylor on, and she was at your house, <laughs> like, for part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah. So, you know, we have a bunch of mutual friends that, like, have been on this show that you would know from the rooms. What is your clean date? Um, I'm currently not sober. Well, I know I know that you drink. What You're clean from your drug of choice, though. Yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, my date, it was March 6th. I don't even remember the year. I like, don't keep track of, like, I'm not. You're that far away from it. Yeah. I'm not affiliated with the program. No, I don't think that you are. I'm completely honest with you and with the show. I currently am not affiliated with the program whatsoever. Yeah. Neither Uh, am I. But yeah, like. But that's not to say that I like I have a lot of respect for the program. It obviously got me out of a really bad time in my life. And I don't think I would be where I am today if it weren't for it. It also taught me a lot of like living skills and just like practical skills to live and take care of myself. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I have a lot of great relationships from it. But yeah, I'm yeah, I'm pretty far out of it. Like I'm, I'm as far away as I can be from it while still remaining <laughs> like, because I use cannabis in my recovery and I'm extremely open about my cannabis use, okay. but I'm very open and honest about it because I, I want everything on the forefront. I want to be able to look at things and talk about them in a real honest sense because there's so many people that are in the rooms that are that are there and they use cannabis and they're afraid to talk about it. They're oh. And so, you know, I, I, I was Cali sober when we met, actually, I was in a rehab in LA called high sobriety that introduced you to cannabis on a medical level instead of an mm-hmm. abuse level. And it was all about changing my relationship with it. So, mm-hmm. and I, and I learned all that in AA, you know, how to change my relationship with things whether <laughs> it was a person or whether it's an inanimate object or whether it's whatever, um, my biggest thing is I'm sober if my life's not unmanageable. That's in my opinion, according, like I go by the steps like, oh, I don't say that I'm sober. Cause I, well, I am sober from alcohol. I quit drinking two and a half years ago. Um, but I just use cannabis and that's it. I use it daily. I'm not going to lie, but yeah. it's, it's a medication. You know, there's a lot of things going on up here. <laughs> right. Wait, so I don't, when you say you're sober in the sense that like your life isn't unmanageable. Is that what you said? That is one of the th- like. So when I drank for mm-hmm. like I got clean 
four and a half years ago, I went to rehab and my drug of choice was pills. Right. And so I went to rehab on my own at 31 years old with no intention of quitting drinking. It was all for the intention of stop doing these oxys every day. Okay. Um, and then I, I was going to use cannabis anyway. So that was being introduced to me. So when I went through the steps, my sponsor was like, you can use cannabis as long as it's not making your life unmanageable. Are you stealing money? Are you deceiving people for it? All the little things, are you doing any of the tendencies that you used to do for the drug of choice? Is that, and once I realized still to this day, I can go a week or a month without even having it because it's expensive. And it doesn't make me want to lie, cheat or steal to get it. So to me, my life is, and when I did drink again, after 13 months clean sober, I drank again because of the rooms and conservative PA were telling me that I wasn't sober anyway. And then I got that in my head and then I drank again for nine months. Yeah. Yeah. But I I still work the steps every day though. Yeah. Yeah. I still, I don't, I wouldn't say that I work the steps, but I definitely use those, those kinds of principles in my life for sure. And, um, like I try, like, I'm just now getting back on like a regular meditation routine because like things like meditation, like my life is better when it's, when I'm regularly doing those things which are things that I learned in the program. Yeah. And they're, they're really, I don't want to, I never wanted to get in my head because my head is the worst place I could be. And I, I was always so worried when I was drinking, I was really like cognizant on how much did I drink tonight? Did I finish my full drink or did I need to finish it all the way? Or did I leave some left? All those little, little things that they talked about. Um, and then I woke up hungover one day. And like, I mean, hung over, hung over where my head even told me you got to either drink this away or get something stronger. And that was the first time in that nine months of drinking again, where I went, oh, that's not good. I shouldn't be thinking that way. Um, And it happened to be leap day. It happened to be February 29th. So I said to my wife, hey, we should quit drinking. This is a perfect sober day. Um. No, it's fine. But I was like, this is a perfect sober date for us. February 29th. Like not many people can say that they quit drinking on that day. So two and a half years later, I don't get an anniversary every year, but I celebrate when I can, when I realize, oh shit, it's the 29th. It's blah, blah, blah months. But that was my driving force was having a cool sober date, you know? And so we quit drinking together and then lockdowns happened two weeks later like we quit drinking on the 29th in 2020 and then March 12th, everything shut down. So we're like, Oh, I guess we're going to hunker down and not really not drink. And so, so you haven't drinking since no, not a drop. Um, haven't even thought about it either. Um, because my wife ended up getting sick and now she has MS. So if you drink with ms to begin with let alone if you're she's an alcoholic like she'll say it i'm not putting words in her mouth she'll say she's an alcoholic and um she she knows that there's no going back anymore because her body literally won't be able to take it so or you know that was another reason to be like okay now we have to stay sober because you have this new diagnosis that we kind of have to MS is a whole beast in itself, let alone to feed it with something like alcohol. So I think we've had one beer in the fridge for two and a half years. Really? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, that helps that, that, I mean, she can't do it anyway, so then that's easier for. We I do mean, it more, together. Yeah, more, more incentive for you guys to do it together. And we use but, cannabis uh, every day together too. Yeah, that's cool. And yeah, and I think the fact, like, yeah, the factor, or you said that one, one factor that incentivized you guys to stop drinking is that you had that realization on that day and you wanted a cool uh, sobriety day. And yeah, I definitely, I definitely relate to that or not relate, but just like, I totally agree with that idea of like, whatever gets you there, whatever, whatever, if it's a, uh, some weird fact like that, or like, um, yeah good looking girl or good looking guy gets you to the meetings, whatever gets you there. So yeah, let's be, <laughs> and I was going to a lot of meetings because I had nothing else to do out there. When we yeah. first met, I was at 26 and broad every day at noon. I was at Marina center every night. I was at Marina center every late night. And yeah. that's, that was, that was my meeting was at 11 PM Marina center. That was the one yeah. I wanted to go to every day. Yeah. And it's so, what is your um, drug of choice? What was it? Um, I guess my drug of choice, like I started out with cocaine and then like meth, I guess. And I did, I did heroin like a handful of times, um, but not more than a handful of times, just like near the end of like my upper using, like the heroin was like a way to like come down, I guess. Um, but to be honest with you, as like years have gone by and I've like reflected on all of that and these different phases in my life, um, um, I've like come to realize a few things. One is that like my, my number one thing, like I think I definitely have the ism, um, but my number one thing is, and which has always been my number one thing, it is an eating disorder and was an eating disorder. And um, the eating disorder started at a really young age. I started going to eating disorder treatment centers at a really young age. And at some point, like I look to drugs because to get out of my eating disorder because I was like so my eating disorders make me so miserable and um I wanted to get out of it so badly and the drugs were a way for me to get out of the misery of my eating disorder or to numb out from the misery of my eating disorder how miserable it was making me um and so I, the program helped me a lot in that way too because you know, I'm, I, I'm a big proponent of the steps and the principles I learned in the steps and like the steps, like, you know, the, a saying in the program is the steps don't care why you do them. And like the steps, um, I was introduced to them because of my drug use or whatever, but they indirectly like helped my eating disorder as well. And so I also, I also got, you know, this all happened at a very young age for me. Like I started using at like 14 and then like 
<clears throat> I got sober and relapsed a couple times because like my eating disorder would be bad, get bad when I would get sober. So then I'd reach out to drugs again. And then um, I finally got sober, sober, or like sober for a long period of time at 18. And I was sober from 18. This is when I met you. Um, I was sober from 18 to 21. I was like about to hit four years sober. Um, so, which is to say, like, I was very young. I had never had a legal drink. You know, I was very young when I got sober. I had all these other issues, like my eating disorder, other like traumatic stuff that had happened to me growing up and all these um, mental health, depression issues. And so when I decided to drink, it was kind of like, it wasn't like a big secret thing. Like I thought about it for a while before I did it. I talked to my therapist that I was working with about it and all of my support um, before I did it, when I started to drink again. And it was kind of like, I don't really know what the result is going to be. And I would, you know, say that. And I was open to this idea that like, I don't know what the result is going to be. Maybe in fact, I am an addict, alcoholic, maybe I am. Um, but the thing is, is that I'm not sure that I am because of all these reasons. Part of me feels like that I might not be. So I want to go out and experiment like the book itself tells you to do if you're not sure or whatever. And so I did that with a very open mind to the fact that maybe in fact I am. And if I, if I do come to realize that, yes, you are an addict alcoholic, I know exactly where to go. Yeah. I've been here for four years. And so I, I did that. I drank again um, with um, all of this in mind and with my loved ones knowing that I was going to do this. And the first time I drank, I had like half a glass of wine. Like it wasn't like a big, yeah. you know, I eased into it or whatever. Crawled before you went running. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that was, uh, that was like, and for the record, you're not the only person that have, I had a guy on my show named Ken Anderson. He started this um, whole thing about harm reduction with drinking back like 10 years ago and how to change your drinking. And he drinks once a week and okay. it's like he gets like a bottle and he'll do 17 shots and not go on. His like rule is don't Facebook while you drink, like mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So you don't hear from him for the day. And then he has this giant group of like 10,000 people on all they talk about is like um, it's called hams, harm reduction, um, something. It's all about only drinking, you know, with certain purposes. So, yeah. and this is like celebrating, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. Because like you said, you were young when you like. Yeah, no, that's an interesting concept. And I think different things work for different people. And as you said, there's a lot of concert, like more conservative people in the program who thinks that there's only one way. Um, and maybe that for them, it might be only one way. Yeah. And I was about to say, maybe for certain kinds of addicts, alcoholics, like for lack of a better word, you know, they say like the real ones, like maybe there really is only one way. Um, and that's why sometimes I'm cautious about telling my story, especially to people in the program, because I don't want them to, you know, get this idea in their head that like, oh, well, I can do that too. Because like, chances are, like, you are a real one and you can't do this. Yeah. Um, I'm not 
I, I like now I've been not sober for like three years and I genuinely don't have a problem when it comes to drugs and alcohol. This podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp. If you are looking for therapy and not able to get something right away locally, you can do that with them within 48 hours. You can find a therapist to get on telehealth with you. I mean, it's I haven't heard anything but great things. From people that have already done it, that watch my show or listen to my show, if you're looking to get 10% off your first month, you can go to betterhelp.com backslash MJ's PNPMCA. That is betterhelp.com slash MJ's PNPMCA. To me, that's most important is that that's why I wanted you to on the show is because it does show a different angle in it. I've talked to so many people that are sober, sober, clean and sober. They use cannabis or they drink here and there. And it's important to have that mix. And also the eating disorder. I, I want to have more people on this season that have had struggles with mental health, not just around addiction. Because addictions just, if MS has taught me anything, is that addiction disease is bullshit compared to MS, right? Like addiction is a whole other beast, but MS is a whole new beast. So yeah. I've kind of looked at, you know, calling myself the clinical definition of addiction, an addict, because I see a real disease. I see what yeah. happens when someone's body is breaking down in front of them. And I don't feel that yeah. way about my disease of addiction. Yeah. I'm, not, not, I'm just minimizing it a little bit because there's a whole lot of things that I want to cover. So that's yeah. why I was like, here, would you want to, like, I know you drink here and there, but I don't care about that. Would you want to do that? Because... It's important for people to know of people like I can use cannabis and stay sober and, and not want to get high. And I, I say not get high as in like if I wanted to do drugs, I would have done the drugs by now. Yeah. Like, yeah. And also, but also important to note that like this, that's not the case for everyone. There's certain people that can't even use cannabis because it yeah. triggers them. Of course. Yeah. So and everybody's different. For most of the people in the program, like, yeah, they yeah, maybe for most of the people in the program, it wouldn't be a, a good idea. But it is to say that the like there yeah there isn't just one way. So also. when you when you move back to when you move back to this when you moved to the states, where did you land in Los Angeles? No, initially to Orange County. So I moved from East Africa, Tanzania to Orange County, which was quite the culture shock. You literally was like Mean Girls. Yeah. I just realized that. Yeah. It basically yeah. based that on you. You came back and you were Africa. <laughs> I just realized that. Oh shit. Yeah. I'm sure you related as a young kid to that too. Like being yeah. out of place. I mean, people would always uh note that about me. They're like, Oh, you're like mean girls. That's funny. Like, yeah. And I just realized it. All right. So you move back and within three years of being here, like is that that's when you just started your eating disorder? Is that when you found drugs first or like? Uh, no, I started like modeling at a really young age. And I think that definitely uh, fueled my eating disorder because, yeah, because I mean, I guess it's pretty obvious. It's a totally look based industry. And so I became obsessed with my look and my body image and everything. And um, turns out when you become obsessed with something like that is really not good for you. Um, 
And so, yeah, I think that definitely was a big part that fueled my eating disorder. I mean, maybe I would have had the eating disorder either way, but it definitely fueled it. And um, yeah, I mean, there's other traumatic uh, things that happened. Like I had a, I was my first time having a best friend and we were like attached at the hip, like sleeping at each other's houses, like more often than not every week. And um, then she suddenly died when I was 14, when we were both 14, she died of a brain aneurysm at 14 which is like so rare. Yeah, holy shit. And it was like this whole traumatic thing where like she basically died in my arms. And so I was like definitely traumatized from this whole thing. And then I had the eating disorder going on. And then, yeah, I think the eating disorder just got worse. And I started looking for and all this other stuff. And then I started looking for ways to escape. And um, yeah. You're the oldest of two, right? You and your brother? Mm -hmm. Yeah, my brother's two years younger. And he, yeah, I mean, for most of our upbringing, like all the attention was on me because everyone was worried about me because I was off running and gunning in and out of treatment centers, like going to ERs, mental health facilities. Like, um, yeah, my brother's pretty you know, he followed a pretty traditional path, four years of high school, graduated high school. When I didn't graduate high school, um, ultimately I got my GED. And then um, when I was sober, um, not because I wasn't doing well in school, I'm actually super studious, super good at school, but because all this other stuff. And then I got in with the wrong crowd and was using drugs, whatever. So then I wasn't I couldn't manage to. Well, yeah, 14 is, the, that's your coming of age. That's like when your best friend is your, you know, yeah. literally your companion, your, you, like you said, attached. Like yeah. it made me think about my best friend, him and I met in first grade and we still talk about, like we remember at the chalkboard meeting each other and, yeah. you know, and my dad became his dad's best friend, you know yeah. what I mean? And then, yeah, so, and then when we were 14, his dad suddenly died from leukemia. Oh, and so, but when we were 11, we had our first drink together. It was Captain Morgan and Coke, and we watched The Outsiders, and we thought we were cool. The Outsiders, love it. And we thought we were cool, but when we were 12, um, a kid that we knew got hit by a car and died. And that was the first time that I can recall looking back and saying, hey, man, if we drink, we're going to feel better. And yeah. that's the that's the ism right there is yeah. the I'm drinking to take this pain away as opposed to cheers, celebrate life. You know, yeah, it's totally. a totally different thing. So in 14, that's that that's your age. You're not at home. You want to be out and about with your friends. So yeah. I, I can imagine it being a really easy thing in Orange County for you to fall in with the wrong crowd of people that don't like, obviously you're super studious. Anybody that fi finishes four years of college <laughs> you'd have like all the writing that you have to do like um so what was the first thing like coke was the first thing you got into then you realized that it would help you like for modeling yeah I mean I the first things I ever did was drinking and weed and then yeah and then I think the first time I did coke I was 14 the first time I drank and smoked weed was with my best friend who died 
So that was before she died, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, but then at, the first time I did coke was after she died. So it was like at 14. And um, yeah, and the like at this point, you know, I mean, I don't want to make this too much about my eating disorder, but eating disorders are such a big part of it. Well, no, no, I, it's, yeah, exactly. What's, I want to hear your story. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't really... Yeah. Okay. So like my eating disorder, there's different kinds of eating disorders, right? And my eating disorder started off as like purely anorexia. So I just like wasn't eating and that was definitely fueled by the modeling, um, you know, I actually remember being told by an agency at like, at like 12, um, that like, it would probably be good if I could lose a little bit of weight. And so at 12, yeah, you, imagine, you imagine looking at a 12 year old today and saying, Hey, you got to drop a few. Yeah, I know. Nuts. And like, I was like, I was, I was like, I was like fairly thin. Like I wasn't like, I was just like normal. You know what I mean? Um, but anyway, so I, so yeah, that definitely fueled the anorexia, but then my, then the anorexia kind of evolved into bulimia. And I think it's because like I deprived my, well, I know this now knowing so much about eating disorders is like, I deprived my body of all this food and I would make all these rules for myself that like, you know, I became, first of all, my body's like craving all this food. And also like, I have this like obsession about with food. Like I'm always thinking of food, even in the anorexia, I might not be eating, but I'm always thinking of food. And, um, because I'm like trying to restrict my food so much, it turned into this like, uh, episodes of like binging on a ton of food because that's, that's like what happens when you try to control something so much is like, it becomes out of control. And so then, yeah, I, I went through these episodes of like binging on a bunch of food, but then like, there's this fear of like gaining weight and I'm modeling and I can't gain weight. And even if I wasn't modeling, like I, I can't handle that, that if I gained weight. And so then, then I would like throw it up. And so then then my eating disorder was like purely bulimia and I would just be like eating and throwing up and ultimately that's why I dropped out of school like my my bulimia when it was like at its height looked like I could not leave my bedroom be I couldn't go to school nor could I leave my bedroom because like I was just like eating and throwing up all day like it was really dark. It's like not talked about very much. Um, I think maybe that's also another reason why I transitioned into like drugs and alcohol, because like when you go to like um, re rehabilitation centers for drugs and alcohol or meetings for drugs and alcohol, like there's a little bit of a sense that it's cool, you know, like to use and to get high and everyone has their like stories. Their, they're running and gunning stories and they're like, they kind logs, of, yeah. yeah. And they kind of show off a little and it's kind of cool. Um, like if you go to like any eating disorder, 12 step meetings or eating disorder treatment centers or like, it's not cool. Like no one thinks it's cool. Like it's, it's really, everyone's 
feels a lot of shame. Like it's really shameful. It's kind of like you don't really talk about it. Um, and plus, let's let's look at like from an outside perspective. You go to drugs, you go to rehab, they're taking away the drugs and the alcohol. When you go to a treatment center for eating, you have to still eat. That's like going into a treatment to learn how to use drugs. You have yeah. to learn how to eat appropriately. Like, what was that movie that I, I saw on Netflix? Um, I watched a movie on Netflix. Um, I'm blanking on the name, but it was all about, like, a girl going into a bunch of rehabs. Um like treatment centers for eating and I'm blanking on the name right now at the top of my head, but it was, it was yeah. really well done. It was really well done. Um, no, but it's true. Like eating disorder treatment centers, because, because as you said, uh, the recovery is different and like you just cut out drugs and alcohol, whereas you have to learn how to uh, have a relationship with food. Um, eating disorder treatment centers are next level. Like at this point in my life, like I've been to both. I've been to a ton of both drug and alcohol rehabs and eating disorder treatment centers. And I remember when I started going to drug and alcohol rehabs, people would always complain about being there and stuff. And I would just be like, you guys have no idea. Like this is fucking heaven compared to eating disorder treatment centers. Like, because yeah, those treatment centers are so gnarly you can't do anything. You can't even go to the bathroom without someone like watching you go to the bathroom or you have to count while you're going to the bathroom. So they know that you're not throwing up. Like there's so many more rules. It's miserable. Yeah, I can't even. So and this was all happening in your teen years too. Like these are like coming of age, formidable years and you're either spending them in bed and with believe like, so break down, I know the difference, but people that are watching, they might not know the difference from bulimia to anorexia and how that looks different. Yeah, so the bulimia is um, characterized by the cycle of binging and purging. Binging is eating a bunch of food and purging is throwing up. Um, and then anorexia is just like restricting food. Um, like starvation kind of starvation kind of but um bulimia like like the purging doesn't have to be throwing up like I don't know some people would use some people would binge and then like eat or like use laxatives or like then over exercise like that was their form of purging or like um or it would be like eating having these huge binges but then like the next day not eating at all for a day or two like I don't know. Yeah, but the, 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 those are the differences. Yeah, it sounds like your drug of choice is, was control. Yeah, it was definitely control. I think I definitely struggled with the control problem, maybe still do in some aspects um, in general. But yeah, specifically with food, control. And maybe, yeah, maybe lack of control in other areas of my life. I wanted to control my food. I don't know. Now, were yeah. you traveling a lot then too? Like, cause like I, I've been friends with you now for a few years, so I've been following you. You know, I always see your story. You're somewhere different. Like we just talked about how we started yeah. this year, either in Africa or you're in Europe somewhere. Um, like, were you traveling that much as a teenager? Or is that more now because your life is more in order? Um, so 
like when I first moved to the US, I was, I would go back every summer to Africa um, to like visit my dad and just visit my home. You know, I have a lot of like. Childhood um, friends. Yeah, exactly. Childhood friends there. Um, and then when I was modeling, like I did a little bit of traveling for modeling. Um, and then when I started going to treatment centers, I would sometimes be in different places for treatment. But yeah, when things got really bad, I wasn't, I wasn't traveling. And then when I, um, when I was sober for those four years, I didn't really travel very much. Maybe a little bit to visit my dad here and there, but not very much. Do you have dual citizenship or do you just yeah, I have dual citizenship for Germany or or Germany for Germany and yeah, the US. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am like so glad because I didn't know any of that stuff. Obviously, like when I meet you people in the rooms, you know, very rarely do I hear any other story. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. and every everyone's story is valid and I think it's important to note that you can have a life beyond your wildest dreams you know even just again it's controlling though you got to make sure that you're not over drinking and you know your life's not unmanageable to me that's the biggest thing is is your life manageable or or is it falling out of place yeah and it sounds like your life is pretty manageable right now yeah it's pretty manageable right now um yeah and that doing that daily meditation that reflection i'm sure helps keep it in line too because it really does when you're not doing your meditation then you're not doing any kind of inward looking and it can be a wreck yeah yeah and like yeah like my uh, yes definitely and the eating disorder like is my main struggle so when i'm not in tune and doing those inward reflection things, like that's the first thing that like I will reach towards to try to control is like food stuff. But like, you know, maybe I'll struggle for a day with some kind of, or just like obsession stuff, but I don't like, it doesn't look like how it used to be, that's for sure. Um, And I think another important thing to know is that like another reason why stopping getting sober was so important for me at that time is because it was definitely something that was also fueling my eating disorder and a lot of these things like are connected so sometimes like get a handle on it like you kind of need to stop all of it you know yeah put the plug in jar as they say for a little bit and and it's not even surprising me that they kind of intertwine because You, like we talked about, you would you have to learn how to eat. You have to learn how to, and so why wouldn't you learn how to drink and keep an eye on it? It's the same as, you know, just one drug. The drug of choice is control. Yeah. The one thing that you're looking for is, can I control this or is it controlling me? Right, right. So that's awesome, though. I'm glad that we got the chance to, to sit down and hear more because I didn't know anything about, like, I just knew that you travel to see your dad all the time. (laughs) So, but that's super cool that, you know, you came from Africa and, you know, you, you got in through the struggle and let's be real eating disorders 
they're still well, like, it's still a problem. Like, yeah, they have the plus-size models these days, but there's still that problem of up here and what we tell ourselves and the lies that we tell ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that translates to, like, all the addictions, just the lies that we tell ourselves. That's why it was so important for me, because I knew that you do drink, but I I know that every time I've seen you with a drink in, like, your Instagram stories or something like that, it's in a controlled setting. You're not, like, drinking alone doing shots by yourself. You're... You're celebrating with your family. You're doing some kind of thing. You and your brother travel a lot together. It seems like yeah. uh, you have a really close relationship. I, like, yeah. that's awesome is, is to have that relation. And even now, you're living in Berlin with your dad. Like, that must be awesome to be able to, like, walk around. In I love walking around that city. It was such a cool city to walk around. Yeah, it's such an awesome city. It just has such good energy, and yeah. My favorite site was the Holocaust thing, um, where it's like the different like levels of the the things. I know. My brother and yeah, my brother and I like stumbled upon it. My mom was on some other tour. My brother and I were together, and we stumbled across it. We're like, holy shit, this is so cool! Like, we had a really fun time in Berlin. So. Yeah. I can I can see why you're there, <laughs> and yeah. I can see the European the outlets behind you, and, <laughs> and like remind me mm-hmm. of being over there. So thank you so much for sitting down here and telling your story because it is valid. So just because you're not in any kind of program doesn't yeah. mean that your story can't help somebody who's struggling with eating or drinking or totally. using. So totally. thank you for being so honest about all that. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And if you ever find yourself in Berlin again, you or your wife, hit me up. A hundred (laughs) percent. Thanks, Kira. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.